0: Are you happy? Magic Seeds takes a good look at everyday challenges and gives solid advice on how to navigate through them, be it relationships, career, parenting, or just not feeling happy inside.
1: I'm Dr. Adam Grise.
0: And I'm Laura Grise.
1: Please join us weekly to discuss everyday situations that seem to be getting in the way of feeling happy and peaceful. We'll provide Magic Seeds and a reliable roadmap for you to follow to stay on a healthy path for your life. Hi, welcome back to Magic Seeds. Today, we are talking about loss. Loss and grieving and coping with loss. How does that look? How does it look to effectively cope with loss? And so we can come out the other side having grown and could improve our life and find love and open up our heart again. It's a massive topic. Laurie, you have anything? It is,
0: it is a massive topic. And it's when people say loss, they immediately default to death, and it is death, but it can look in so many different ways. Got the actual death of close person to you. You've got death of identity, which we've all pretty much gone through, I guess, on our different stages in life. And you have death of a friendship, if you've had a good friendship, and that seemed to fade away. Or I was even thinking, even just children growing up and going through their different stages, and them changing and us having to Let go constantly. There's a death process or a loss process there, but also loss of uh, careers and jobs. People have been going through a lot of that lately with the big corporations.
1: Totally, it happens on so many levels. When you're talking about the loss of kids, not even just like loss of kids because that's unbearable, but the loss of like
0: loss of. But yes, of course. But that's death.
1: But right. But even just like the loss of children in a certain phase, right? When they're as maybe unhealthy as it sounds, but when they're dependent on us. There's something really beautiful about that relationship, so pure. And I was talking to someone the other day and just talking about during COVID, his daughter got sick and she's older, maybe like 10 or 11 or something like that. And we are talking about like reading our children bedtime stories and stuff. And he's saying how that kind of has, she reads her own books now. But when she got sick and she was kind of quarantining during COVID, she's like, hey, dad, can you just sit on the other side of the door? And read me some stories. And so he would sit on one side and she would sit on the other side and just getting to read. And he's like, and he's talking about, like, oh, come on, you're still doing that. It's like, this is my last chance. Like, (laughs) this is a dying thing here. And it's like holding on. There's such a fine line between getting every last drop out of something and allowing something to move on. And obviously, we can all sit back and intellectually, in the wake of loss, there will always be right? One door opens closes, another opens, but that is an art form. <laughs> when are you holding on to actually grow something? And when are you holding on because you're afraid to lose something?
0: Right. Wondering what the motive is. Are you hanging on to it because of codependencies or, and even with a child, same thing. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about you're telling the story about the, the dad and the daughter and reading the book and All the time I find myself saying to the girls, let me know if you need any help (laughs) because I'm here to help, but they don't use my help that much anymore. So was there a codependency there that I was just leaning on helping them all the time and Mm -hmm. so, is it codependency or what is it about and knowing when to let go?
1: Even Callie, our oldest, who now just wants her own bedroom. (laughs) And so much so she's like up there all day vacuuming. We're like not even doing anything for this room. This is a forgotten room. There's, I don't even want to say what's in that room in terms of just animals and different things, but she's been working hard and cleared it all out. And she's like, I want to sleep there. And I was like, oh, this is sad for me. Why is this so sad? I like them all sleeping together and we come in and sing songs and read bedtime stories people be like, oh, stop, that's nothing. But it's all in the same category of loss. It's no different than, like you're saying, loss of a job, loss of a loved one, identity. loss of identity. identity
0: a, it's a really, really big one. Really, wow. I And mean, I don't know if people realize that they have lost their identity. They can identify that they have lost their identity. Sometimes they just kind of float around and what's wrong with me, but you know, what's really going on is you changed and we all change. If we didn't change, that would be strange, right? Very strange. But the acceptance of the glory days, of football, glory day guys.
1: Uh-huh. Back in high school, <laughs> I won the state championship, ran for three touchdowns. Right.
0: They're never even close to football players or athletes or anything like that. And they just haven't let go of that identity.
1: And that's even one stage behind, if you will, in sequential thought. That's one stage behind the lost phase. Right. I mean, lost phase, dinks. That is a mind. The
0: realization that you have lost. Like, right.
1: right. But I mean, usually people are in the stage before that, which is they're holding on to the identity of who they are as like what they do as a profession or how, who they are as a spouse or a parent or to society. Right. It's like, and they just nestle into these identifications because quite frankly, dealing with loss is not fun. It's not pleasant. Sensation wise, it's not one of the more pleasant sensations right. and not pleasant sensations immediately spark our, our mind to scramble and to hold on and to find a more pleasant moment when if we're truly being honest with life it is loss is part of life death is part of life and if we can embrace the sensations that accompany loss and death we're liberated we're free to evolve right there will always be growth right and i don't know what's on the other side of death death we don't need to get into that conversation but if you're an atheist and you believe there's nothing after it then okay then there's nothing so what's there to be afraid of because then you're not missing anything and if you believe in something after it, like then okay, then we're going to be okay. It's going to transform. It might be too much for our mind to handle, but our mind's going to have to adjust like it always does. Like our minds adjust from being a toddler to a teenager to a young adult. And right, our mind is constantly being forced to deal with this change, Right. but we kick and scream every step of the way instead of embrace it.
0: What is the last pose? Shavasana. Shavasana is death pose. Quartz pose. So it's that transition, it's embracing everything that you have done in your practice and then to move on because yoga, the reason why we do the poses is we are in preparation for meditation. So it's in preparation for the new phase that working into and that's just it. Even it doesn't matter what you're going through, what kind of loss you're going through. But all of them have that death phase. And that death phase is to sit there in the silence and embrace everything that you just did before to let it go, then to move on to the next phase.
1: That's what I think is so important about the way that we practice of having everything, we see everything in cycles. Mm -hmm. And it's the death is not seen as falling off of a cliff. It's seen as a transition point to rebirth. Right. And if you can buy into that, if you believe, if your mind holds space for that, all of a sudden death doesn't exemplify this scary abyss. It's just this place where the mind has to shut down. There's nothing we can grasp onto. So it's right. uncomfortable for the mind, but it's an essential part of the process to come back, to give the mind something to play with in the next round. So today we uh, asked the guest to come on. She knows loss. She knows grief. Uh, she was introduced to grief at nine years old. Uh, her father passed away from cancer at 31 she was diagnosed with breast cancer. It's been a continuous battle for her and her own health. And she has a sister who dealt with health issues and had cancer. And she actually passed away from cancer just over two years ago now. So let's get her on the phone. I think we have her on. Lori, are you there?
2: Yes, I'm here.
1: Excellent. 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 So we we're just telling the listeners kind of what you've been through in life from when you were nine and everything after that. Do you want to tell us your story? Yeah, lost?
2: sure. Yeah. So I guess I'll kind of start at the beginning, the quick version though. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) I would say my grief journey probably started around nine years old. We lost my dad to cancer. It was pretty quick. It was within six months. We found out he was terminal and then he went through treatment, but it unfortunately didn't work. And so it was a very kind of quick and sudden sickness and then ultimately his death. And so I was nine and my sister was 12. That's my sister. And so I think when you're nine, like, of course, you're grieving. You've lost your father. But I would remember I would have dreams of him. I would wake up and I had been crying. And then there was points throughout my time growing up that I really missed having a father figure. But as I grew up, the grief got less and less and less. And then my sister and I are very, very close. And so we kind of grew up together with each other and really helped each other kind of support each other and pave the way for each other. And so we were really close. And then at 31, my sister was diagnosed with a rare disease all over, trying to figure out what was going on. We went to Mayo, all over. And then we finally figured out what was going on, and rare disease, and they gave her five years to live then. So we kind of fought through that. That was kind of first gut punch that we were like, what? Five years? Like, we were supposed to grow old together, be in a nursing home, like with purple hair and like the crazy, (laughs) the crazy ladies. So that was the first kind of gut punch when she was 31. So, So we kept fighting and fighting and fighting. And so we finally found an amazing doctor. And He basically found the correct medicine that put her in remission. And so that was kind of like, oh, that's our first little, I don't want to say miracle, but that was kind of like our first break. And so we had a good few years having great times. We were traveling. And then I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 31 kind of ironic. What's interesting about my story is numbers in years really repeat themselves. So my sister was 31 when she was first diagnosed with a rare disease. And then I was 31 when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. These numbers start to repeat themselves, which is very strange. So I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 31, went through treatment, extensive treatment, radiation, chemo, Surgery, double mastectomy, hysterectomy, oophorectomy like all of it. My kids were two and five at the time. And so my sister took time off work six months and she called it her internship because <laughs> she wasn't married and didn't have kids. So she always refers to it as her internship.
1: God, does she um, love your kids, man? Oh my God.
2: Yes. Yeah. So she was very close to my kids, very close with my husband, Daniel. Um, they were like brother and sister. So we got through all that and Was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Actually, she was diagnosed with cervical cancer when I had had my double mastectomy. I was recovering on the sofa, and she came in and she said, "I have to tell you something." And I was like, "I mean, what could you possibly be telling me, like right now?" And she said, "I just got diagnosed with cervical cancer." I just remember laughing. I was like, "Seriously, that?" And then she had surgery, and we thought it was all taken care of. They said it was cervical cancer is the one of the most curable cancers when it's caught early because they typically just do surgery. And so that's what she did. She did surgery. We were well on our way. I finished treatment. We were doing good. We were great living our life. And then she went to her six-month checkup a few years later and the doctor felt something on her exam. And it turned out she had a football-sized tumor. And her cervical cancer had returned. And what we didn't know is when cervical cancer returns, you're basically terminal from the start. You know, that that was another punch in the gut, but like us, we didn't accept it, and she fought hard. She went to all the hospitals around here. We fly out to MD Anderson for clinical trials. She just fought, and she just kept saying, you know, I want to do everything I can until they say there's nothing that we can do. And so about two years ago, they said there's nothing else we can do, and she passed away on April 15th. So that is kind of my grief journey in a nutshell. It goes a lot deeper than that, but... But that's kind of what my grief story.
1: So, thanks for sharing that. That's, uh, I know it's not just sharing like what you did yesterday. Um, Yeah. So, Can you tell us dealing with that and just mentally what that does, where it's one thing to deal with loss even just once, and then you kind of gather the troops and you say, I got to fight on and move on. I'm going to be stronger and I'm going to use it this way. When it's wave after wave, what does that do to you psychologically and in dealing with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm still honestly trying to figure that out, but I think interesting to me, people said after Lisa passed away, well, hopefully you're good now in like, you can just live your life and like you get a break. And to me, that's not how I look at life anymore. Like that's not what life is about. You don't get breaks. And for me, just emotionally and mentally, I just kind of wake up every day and I'm just willing to accept what the day is going to bring me. And it's either going to be a good day, it's going to be heartache. But I now knowing going through so much heartbreak and grief that yes, there is a period of time where I am completely knocked down, but I will get up and I will recover and I will keep going. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but I know that I can keep going.
0: It's that acceptance. It was the acceptance phase that allowed you to do that. You know, where we go through our cycles, and for some people, it takes five, ten times, and for some people, mm-hmm. it takes one time. But at some point, we all have to give in and just accept that life is life, and some of us are going to get a little bit dealt mm-hmm. harder cards than others, and it's uh it's a rough story.
1: I think the whole thing is hard, but the hard part in terms of being successful in that ability to to transform it all, is even when you say, I'm going to embrace it, I'm going to embrace the despair. There's It's the part that feels despair, the part of you that identifies that's holding on so much that really tortures us, that It's like part of us wants to move on. And then there's this part that's still inside that that's the part we're letting die, the part that's holding on to an image, to an idea, to a feeling. And no matter how many times I've done my work, I've gone through my own grieving for whatever it is, it doesn't make it any easier when I'm doing it. I just kind of know at some point I'll come out the other end, but the seconds, like just the seconds of it where you're just, that part of you is just kicking and screaming and hopefully you're not letting it come out sideways, but it's just really hard. So, Lori, like, it's just it's so commendable that you've gotten to a place where you realize that it's not about letting go of stuff so you're always going to be happy again. That The actual part of living involves heartache sometimes, and that's just really amazing for you to get there, to realize that that's part of it.
2: Well, and I think people think that grief is something that you have to go through the steps and then it's done and that it's not the way grief is. I mean, grief is something that reoccurs sometimes multiple times a day. And what I found myself just recently, just the holidays and, and just celebrations, I was always so sad or angry or like I was not present with my husband and my kids. And I just finally realized it and said to myself that I can't do this. Like I have got to enjoy my life and be present and be happy with my kids because the last thing I want to do is miss out on these opportunities with my family that are still here. I mean, there are multiple times throughout the day where I think of my sister and I will always think of her and I will always miss her. But the grief, like grief is such an interesting thing. Like it's such a fleeting moment, but it can destroy your entire life. And I'm just not going to let it do that to me. And I know my sister wouldn't want me just let the grief consume me. Like I have to enjoy life. I have to enjoy the gifts that have been given to me. I have to enjoy it. And for me, sometimes it really is that my emotions are screaming and I'm so sad and I miss her. But it is honestly just a conscious decision at those times to turn it off and just be present with my family. And it doesn't mean that I'm sitting there laughing or, but I'm quiet and I'm trying to soak it in and I'm trying to enjoy it. That makes sense.
0: It does. It makes perfect sense. And you're passing that nugget without even knowing it, you're passing that nugget onto your children. They feel that. And it's a very, very, very long time ago. I was young, maybe in my teens, maybe in my early twenties, but I was at a funeral and uh, they had started to bury the person. And I remember these two women were in front of me, a mother and a daughter. And the mother leans Mm -hmm. over and whispers in the daughter's ear, and she said, life is messy. And Mm -hmm. I don't know why. It stuck with me in the sense of letting go all the Mm -hmm. time. Whenever something is not going right in life, I think of her saying that. I can still hear her voice, but it teaches me every single time when things are not going my way or things are not going right or times are sad or it's time to let go, that life is messy, but it's also beautiful. And just to realize that, that we're going to have ups and downs and we don't know, we don't even know what's going to happen in five minutes from now. Right. And to go through life that way and to teach your kids. So when you say that you want to be present and enjoy life and your kids are there and your husband is there, you're teaching them without you even saying any kind of words. You're teaching them that like this is life. It is what it is. We all mm-hmm. go through something. It looks different, but it really is all the same.
1: It's, it's kind of an art form because when you talk about it, Lori, what comes to mind is you're like, it's so easy to get lost in it, right? It's so easy to wallow in it and just mm-hmm. stay there because your mind fixates on what has gone awry. On the other hand, when you have that moment where you're like, I can't do this anymore. I'm wallowing. Sometimes you slingshot to the other end of the spectrum and you just Mm -hmm. shut it down and you're like, screw this. I'm going to party. My life Mm -hmm. is too short. This is not, you know, and all of a Mm -hmm. sudden, What hasn't happened there is you haven't allowed it to transform to allow more growth and to even open up those areas of your heart that are aching uh, to open them up again to grow even deeper. So, I mean, how did you do that, right? So you make that decision. Do you feel like it was a little bit of both or like you just found the sweet spot right away or was it a shutdown or what?
2: No, I mean, again, I think I'm still trying to find the sweet spot. I think just when we are together as a family and we're celebrating something specific. I really try and be present, but it doesn't mean that, like, I haven't spent that morning in absolute pain and anguish and crying and just wanting my life to look so different in so many ways. I think I'm still trying to figure out that the sweet spot, and I don't know. And this, the other thing is, I don't know if there ever is like a sweet spot in grief.
1: I think you kind like, of I just think... nailed it. You did. <laughs> she just, yeah, she really did. He totally it nailed it. He, for me, the part right there is that, wanting. The fact that to not let your mind get so myopic, to get so short-sighted that it thinks what you are grieving is the only cycle of your life, that it's the only thing going on, that there's many cycles going on at once. And yeah, I have to honor this one that I do have to grieve for, but there's many other cycles that I might be in springtime for or summer for mm-hmm. or whatever. And to be able to pivot, to like engage fully with your grief process and then to say, okay, I've given that some time. I'm sure I'm gonna have to come back to it many, 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 many more times. But I'm gonna now pivot to this other cycle with my family, where we're actually enjoying a beautiful summer, so to speak, where we're just in the moment and we're having fun and we're intimate. That is, I can't even tell you how, for lack of a better word, advanced that is to be able to do that. Because like you said, it's so easy to get stuck in one perspective. And it's usually we get stuck in the ones That are hard.
0: But we all create this vision for our lives when it needs to look like X, Y, and Z. And then when we lose X, and because, Laura, you just said it, that I want my life to look different, wanted my life to look different, and that's that grieving process, that's that, that let go. Okay, mm-hmm. what if my life looked different? Is it okay for my life to look a little different? And if in being open to anything of what, in, what that could look like, and I'm so sorry, I can't find my words today. I'm grieving the loss of caffeine because I've given up caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find no,
2: my words today. No, it makes total sense, so <clears> though. <throat> it does make Sense. and I think what I would say also with the way that I had visioned my life to look, I think because I lost my dad at such a young age, our family didn't look like the Brady Bunch family. And so I think the vision that I had when I was thinking about what I wanted my family to look like as an adult was to have this Brady Bunch, we all come together type family. And even again, that's an unrealistic view of what your family is going to be. But that's what I wanted. I wanted this big, like large, sort of nuclear family. And we had that to a degree when my sister was still here. And then to have that taken away from me just seemed so cruel because we had done life together so well. She was such a big part of our family. I just really got to a point where I felt like I was getting picked on and I had to kind of let all of my visions of what I thought my life was going to look like. And I think even now I still do that like day to day. I just don't really know what my day is going to look like. Is what I would say. Like I have plans, I have things on the calendar and I do them. I don't have it so much. Like I don't have my life or my vision so much created and like this and meant that it to happen. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm not successful or I'm not gonna be happy or I just have more learned to go with the flow of things.
0: Wise woman that's what people in their eighties and nineties they I say. Mean, it's wise, wise advice.
1: In terms of the seasons, the we set a vision, it's of spring. It's the springtime. And what you just learned, I mean the wisdom that you gleaned is, huh, I set a vision and you were a child, right? I mean you can't be held mm-hmm. it's not like you don't know how flexible or inflexible you set a vision and it was everything. And then you saw that that vision got sideswiped, right? It got completely leveled. And then you're like, huh, maybe the issue isn't that my life sucks, right? Like you're saying at first, that's what happens where you're just kind of pissed off that mm. would, like life is unfair, right? But then you're like, I have to be the one who makes the adjustment here. And you're like, I'm going to make the adjustment on the front end. I'm going to, when I create the vision, be a little bit more flexible, like a young seedling or like a young tree in its first years, it can still move and grow and go in different directions, right? You see like a tree that's old and it has these different twists and turns. That's the flexibility. And for you to Mm -hmm. be able to scale it back, to trace it back to when you create the vision, being a little bit more flexible with it. That is, again, another magic seed. I think we just need to have you on the show. I think, you, I think you're the one doing the show.
2: <laughs> well, that's because you've helped me so much. <laughs> you've helped me get to that. <laughs>
1: But that's a really cool. So and even with that, like when you say I'm going to be more flexible with every day, then kind of to your point before, how amazing is that in its ability to allow the moments of heartache or the moments of I want to be with my family or I wanted today to turn out one way, but I'm going to pivot like the ability to pivot and to maneuver and to embrace change how important has that been
2: yeah i mean i think that's what life is about is being able to pivot and change like on a dime like that that's what life is about you have to figure out how to be able to adapt to change and change isn't easy change isn't but you have to be able to adapt to it
1: that's it the sooner we can embrace change the sooner we'll find inner peace yeah right? That's it. I mean, that's what you're looking for.
2: Yeah. And I would say, you know, that's something I'm still definitely working on daily. Like change is still very hard for me. It's not easy at all. But I think just you have to adapt to what's being thrown at you. You can't fight it. You have to surrender and accept it Mm -hmm. and then figure out how to deal with it. You don't just surrender and it's your life and you give it life. Like you have to figure out you surrender to it, but you have to figure out how to fight it also and embrace it.
1: Right. If
0: you don't, no, you're angry. You get frustrated, you get angry because mm-hmm. it's not going the way you wanted and the way you saw it. And
1: But plus, then you also have to like step back up. Once you do embrace it, once you're like, fine, I accept it, then you're going to have to make a new plan. You have to move forward and know where you want to take it at that point. Like to Lori's point where there was an initial vision and it was a vision of decades maybe or just even a little bit. Once it gets chopped down and you actually have to do all that crazy work, like you're saying, change is not easy. But say you can just go through it. And you're going through it where it's at the point where you're still going to have waves of grief and resistance from within, but you've embraced it for the most part. You then have to create this next vision. And what is it going to be? And if you feel the resistance to the new vision, you still haven't mm-hmm. embraced sure. the change yet. Right.
2: And I think that's where the surrendering comes. And surrender for me is not where you just lay down and you let life steamroll you. Surrender to me is you surrender to your current life situation. And the surrendering will come the clarity of how to deal with it and how to accept it. It's when you constantly fight what's happening to you is when you don't see the clarity.
0: Well said, Lori.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The hits keep on coming. No, that is exactly it. It's that surrender. It's the resistance versus allowance is really Mm -hmm. what helps the transformation. It's nothing you can actually do, right? There's You can't force it. You can't manipulate it. You have to surrender. It's just so uncomfortable and so seemingly disempowering. But that's the only way I know to get to the other side is just to surrender and let the part that's miserable be miserable and you need to go with it so it, you don't just end up wallowing in it, but you're just little by little getting it out, right?
2: Right. I don't know if this will make sense, but so with my breast cancer, I had lymph nodes removed, and so I struggle with lymphedema in my arm and then in my leg but it's something that just really hit me pretty hard just this last week we were in Boston my husband was doing the Boston Marathon and we went up early and we just walked all over the city it was so much fun had such a fun day but my lymphedema really bothers me and so I just got to the point where I was like I'm either going to let it take over and control my trip or I'm just going to work through it and get swollen and work through the pain and still have a good time and that's something that's physically painful not emotionally. It is emotionally, but it's what's stopping me is literally physical. But if I can push through the physical pain and the physical annoyance and aggravation that it brings up, it brings up the pain, the frustration of what I've gone through and that I'm 40 and I can't even walk around the city without getting swollen and hurt. I get mad. I get frustrated, but I just push through it because I'm not going to let it take over the fun with my kids that day. We just had so much fun and I'm still swollen. We've been home since Monday and I'm still swollen. But it's just accepting, like, that's where my body is. That's where my life is. And I have to accept it. And I have to just move on and, and not get stuck in, in the wallowing.
0: You said, I'm 40 and my body is this way. And it's another vision that you had or that we have of what our bodies are supposed to look like or feel like. Yeah. At a certain age, and again, we're all different and we all feel different, but we're going to get these aches and pains at different ages and different phases in life. And the phrase is so cliche, but it is what it is. It, it's the mm-hmm. time to, all right, I'm 40. Okay, I feel this way. It's it's that let go. It's always the right. let go.
2: Yeah, because you can either accept it or you can fight it. And if you fight it, it takes so much more energy and you're going to miss out on so much more instead of just surrendering and accepting it and moving on. Kicking and screaming.
1: Mm -hmm. And fighting it only (coughs) makes you wrestle with it more. You can't beat Mm -hmm. it that way. It's just- Can't beat it. Can't beat it, right? It's a fallacy (laughs) that you can beat it and you're going to win, but it's just what the mind's initial reaction is. So we just think, oh, this must be the way to- approach it. But if you take a step back, you're like, oh, I need to surrender to this. Well, that seems weak. That doesn't seem like I'm being Mm -hmm. strong, but that's it. The sooner we can embrace the change, the sooner we'll find inner peace. And if inner peace is what we're looking for, then yeah, making your peace with a body that doesn't work as well. Making your peace with I don't have the Brady Bunch family, right? Making your peace mm-hmm. with, I didn't achieve all the things and get the accolades and just the experience I wanted. It's to surrender actually will then set you free to move forward and move towards a new vision that can bring you maybe some fulfillment, but that is just the hugest thing. It's just on, like you said, the body level, on the loss of a loved one, on the loss of a career or an identity. Mm-hmm. It's constant because loss is part of nature. It's just part of life. Just that's it. And death. It's part of
0: life every day. It's part of life every year. It's part of life, period. And it's just the coping skills to deal with it. What are they?
1: Even regretting a day, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a day that doesn't go the best, how do you let go of it and to truly surrender it so that when you do wake up the next day, like you're Mm -hmm. saying, Lori, maybe there's still some residual anger. Maybe there is some residual and then you realize, oh, I got to do more work letting go. But you want to continue to be doing that work so you can wake up eventually and allow yourself to embrace the new day.
2: Right. Yep. Take it on. Take it
1: on. Right. And enjoy it. Go have fun and play. Right. Right. Cool. Definitely.
2: Go have fun and play.
1: Go have fun and play. But you can't have fun and play if you're angry. So that's the whole point. It's to get rid of the anger, to deal with the loss is shedding that vision. That and even if the vision was perfection, even if the vision was the ultimate vision, once it's done, it's done. There's nothing mm-hmm. you can do. If you fight it, you'll be haunted until it is forced out of you anyway, right?
0: My mom is 81 years old and I always feel like she's got some good wisdom that she throws out. And a while ago, you were out of the country and I had COVID and I was so frustrated mm. because I had COVID for 18 days, 18. Wow. And I was so frustrated and I was kicking and screaming and she called me up and say, what are you doing? I'm working. I can't work with my clients. I have to just sit on a computer and I can't work with anybody and this and that. She's like, honey, your husband's out of town, your kid at at school, and you have nothing to do. Why don't you go and play? Just go enjoy Mm -hmm. life. I was like, oh, okay. Maybe I will do that. So then I started going on the greenway and going for runs Ah. and going for bike rides. And it was such a, better, was given permission, but just getting pulled just, out of yes. it. Wisdom. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. It's a different mindset of going at it, looking at it that way. Yes. Right. Go on a walk. Take time for yourself. Like That's just a whole different piece that people don't do. Take time for yourself.
1: Yep. It's hard. Yes. yes, it is. That's amazing. That's yeah. uh, all well, too nuggets. many nuggets in there. <laughs> Lori, thank <laughs> you so much for taking the time to talk with us, tell us your story, and drop about a thousand magic seeds for people <laughs> out there.
2: It was nice. Yes. Well, thank you both. Our so, pleasure.
1: So basically for today, we're talking about coping with loss. Lori was our guest. Thank you, Lori. And Magic Seed, I'd have to say, the sooner we can embrace change, the sooner we'll find inner peace, and move on in life. So with that said, nothing but love.
0: And go out and have fun and play.